Oh, 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 oh. Turn it back. Turn it back. What's that? Oh, nice. Turn it up. Oh, yeah. You have arrived, good people. Welcome to the Outlet Radio Show. Coming to you all the way from Brooklyn, New York. Here is your host, our favorite BK child with that million dollar smile, Azania Shange. Mm, here she comes, y'all. Here she comes. Hello, my name is Azania Shangay, and this is The Outlet. Uh, full disclosure, I am a bit nervous, but I am really, really excited. Um, nervous and excited, honestly, for the same reasons. For one, this is my first show, and I'm really fortunate to have today um, a guest who I absolutely adore and a producer who is phenomenal. Um, backing me up and holding me down is the incomparable V. Jeffrey Smith. He is an incredible talent. I call him a genius. He denies it. Whoa, 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 but whoa. he is outstanding. And I'm so grateful to have your support here today. And then, of course, my guest. This is someone who is so inspiring. And so, um, just he's just a powerhouse. The tell me more ever evolving guy, Rute, uh, and brilliant, name, right? and brilliant. So I am really grateful to have you both here today. And this marks my very first show. I need to say, bo, 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 bo. first show. It's exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for having me Thank on your you. inaugural episode <laughs> of the Outlet, which I just found out the name. Yes, the I like the name a lot. You do? Yes. Okay, I have to I have to talk about the the name because one it was it was funny because when I was trying to decide um, what to call the show, of course I turned to the two men who are in the room with me right now, and we tossed around a few ideas, but nothing felt quite right. Guy was giving me the comedic options. I wanted um, to use the chocolate room, <laughs> but that sounds like a boom boom room. It sounds it sounded, like a stripper. It sounded pornographic, <laughs> but it also sounded you know. I so, like chocolate, and I was like, "See, that's I don't know. I think familiar to us. <laughs> it really familiar." <laughs> yeah, really familiar to so I room. decided to think on my own because they were really leading me in directions that didn't really uh, align with what I wanted. The VIP room, yeah. Well, um, again, I feel like there's a VIP room. Again, so. clubbish, boom boom roomish. Not really what I was going for. So in terms of the outlet. What I wanted was to choose something that felt socially relevant. And the reason why the outlet feels socially relevant is because every time I am anywhere, if I if I enter into a, in, in, into any space, if I go into a restaurant, if I go into a room, the first thing I'm looking for is where can I plug up my phone? Because we are so technology-driven, technology um, everybody's always scoping out where the outlet is, even in a restaurant. I don't care if I'm on a date, whatever. I need to know where I can plug in my phone. Um, and so, <laughs> hey, they, they don't hold my attention too long, so I need to be able to get on my phone. Um, so talk about that. <laughs> so for me, I wanted this place to be, um, this, this particular show to be a place for people to recharge, 
Um, I wanted it to be something that would bridge connection um, through us sharing our experiences. And I wanted to also make people aware of their power and what other thing that I could think of um, can do that other than an outlet. And so it's amazing because when you said the outlet, I didn't think of that at all. Really? What'd you think of? I was thinking like it was an outlet. It was a, a way to vent, vent, or like uh, it was the you know like when you buy something but you get it from the outlet, so you get it from the you know the, the mm-hmm. original manufacturer. So yeah, original. and you know I thought that too when I first thought of it. I was like, oh, people are gonna think of it like an outlet store, and they're not gonna. And so I was like, well, I'll just. But that's outlet it. store is a good thing. It is a great thing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you it's know, great. it's it's like you know, it's like getting <laughs> getting the raw uncut. Yeah. From I the like manufacturer that. directly. I like that. See? See, See? now you're making it okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I just I just want, you know, in terms of me setting an intention for what I want this to be. I know Guy gave me a specific note when I was coming up with or trying to come up with a name. He said, you know, you want a name that you can grow with, that the show can grow with. And I feel like that's something that allows it to be whatever it's going to be in, in whatever phases it goes in and out of. So. Yes, that's what this show is. The outlet. None of them are going to be better than this particular episode. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Claim it. All hey, right. Listen, I want it to be a greater. I'm only kidding. <laughs> well, I, you know, I have to get to Guy. We got to get down to why I wanted to interview this particular person. Honestly, it wasn't my, it wasn't my idea. Whose idea was it? That guy right there, Jeff. He just when I was why saying, did you interview him? When I was saying, <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not call him up three o'clock in the morning. It was three thirty. But I was I was talking to Jeff and I was saying, you know, I'm really nervous. I confess that I was really nervous about the first show and I wanted it to be interesting. And I wanted it to be a conversation that really held people's attention. And so Jeff was like, well, you know, one, you and and Guy are great friends and you guys talk all the time and he's a great person to talk to. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Now I'm blushing. You're right. Thank you, Jazzy. So for me, I was excited. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. A bromance is happening right now. I'm interrupting. Happened already. (laughs) 25 years ago. (laughs) But I I really was excited when I when I once I thought about it, I was like, you know what I'm loving the most? Guy has a great voice, and that's what I told Jeff. Oh, I was like, you. "Yeah, that voice is gonna be now awesome." I feel like I gotta get my Barry White on. You know <laughs> Who is Barry White? Who is Barry White? Yeah, I'm too young. I can't. I can't weigh in on that. Uh. <laughs> and I also wanted to talk to you, Guy, because every single time I talk to you, I mean, you honestly really don't open your mouth unless you have something to say, and I can appreciate that. That, wow, that, my that mother would me, disagree, but yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> she doesn't have the conversations with you. I have apparently, but I'm only kidding. My, yeah. mom, my mama supports me. And another reason why there's there's actually four reasons that stuck out to me. The, okay, the third reason number reason, one. Okay, the th- I already oh, went four. over the one. The first one was the voice. Okay, the second one is you um, have something to say every time you open your mouth. You have something to That's, say. Okay, That's okay. Two. The third one, which is the one that I really, 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 really love. Is that you're really cool with with showing your vulnerabilities? Oh, okay. That's, I love that. Comes with age. I love that. <laughs> you know, so many people are guarded, and they don't, and and particularly with different areas of success, they don't really want to. They don't really want to be open about the fact that their struggles, that their stumbles, that they're you know, they just you know, they just want you to see them shine. It makes and, the triumph greater. 
and I really, when you actually come overcome. Yeah, I really appreciate that. That's one of the reasons why I love talking to you, uh, particularly cool. about my own stumbles. <laughs> and of course, that leads us to reason number four, which is you just inspire me. Oh, cool. And I've told you this every single time I walk away from you. I'm, I'm There's like this quotable that sticks in my head and I just feel inspired. So it really, truly is an honor for me to have you well, on the I'm first, first, over here now. first episode of now I gotta live up to this man damn <laughs> that's a lot of this show let me, let me say that the reason I was even open to this um is because you know obviously I adore you but I'm also in this next year of my life I'm stepping more out to the forefront you know I started in this business as an artist my man Jazzy Jeff over here Jeff Smith was my producer back in the late 80s early 90s and uh I kind of slipped into the background, mid '90s, and uh, always felt like needed to hide a little bit. And uh, I'm st- I'm coming out of hiding, so this is my first, you know, foray in 2015 of being open to telling my story and talking and being the face of my company. Well, that's awesome. I feel honored then to be your first. So you're my. F- oh my God. I'm your first. You're my first. What? Chocolate room. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff just got really uncomfortable all of a sudden. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into it. Let's talk about your story. You know, your beginning is pretty outstanding. I mean, um, for people who don't know you, you're you're really rooted in hip hop. That's been kind of threaded throughout your whole existence. Yeah, 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 I mean. I describe myself as a child of hip hop, you know. Um, even though, well, nah, yeah, this it's the most formidable part, part, part of my uh, being. Like, I don't look at it just as my career, as my yeah. being. I, I feel like I am, I mean, I have Shell Toe Adidas on right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, it ain't, you know, yeah. I'm hip hop. I'm hip hop forever. Yeah. And um, it was the thing that changed my life. It was the thing that. That shook up my world when I was eight, nine years old, and uh, musically, culturally, uh, you know, visually, spiritually. So, yeah, I'm 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 very hip hop. Grew up on Staten Island, um, the fifth and forgotten borough in New York. Yeah, um, forget about that borough often. But but <laughs> really, really, really a major influence on me, Staten Island. You know, before I changed i had a staten island t i still wear my staten island t-shirts and i, I still re- as much as I, I have a lot of conflict with that borough because it's it's a very republican right-wing place mm-hmm. uh very big problems with race relations out there obviously from the eric garner situation you could see yeah um you know and just uh so i have a lot of conflict but it's also the place that raised me and you know uh, i got a lot of love there and uh I, a lot of family still out there, and, you know. Um, my nephew still lives there. My mother still lives there, yeah. and so you know, it's 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 the place that I I claim. I never I never I never was one of those guys. I went to high school in Manhattan, Murray Bertram, and <laughs> shout out shout out to Murray Bertram. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, they used to call me Staten Island. I think because I was so clean, like I'm not gonna get here and act like I'm from Brooklyn. Or, I'm from Brooklyn, by the way. Know. So ease up. Ease no, up. no, listen, Brooklyn. Brooklyn terrorized me as a kid, man. Like you know, but I but I stood strong. 
and they, they, they respect it. So we made you, is what you're saying. Nah, Staten Island you. made me. We made you. We groomed you. Staten Island made me. Brooklyn made me tougher. <laughs> there you go. You know what I mean? Say that one more time, just for the people who didn't hear you. Move on. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. So wait a second. So when you were in Staten Island, you yes. actually were a part of several groups. I remember we yeah. were talking about this just the other day. Yeah, yeah. My first rap group, I was 10 years old, was with my cousin, Chili Love, Jay Williams, and my man JB, Eric Rice, my brother S, and we were uh, called the Flashback Crew. <laughs> and because uh, what happened was my cousin, my cousin got turntables for Christmas or something like that. See, that's a hip hop. So, <laughs> so we just, we just, we just, you know, my, my cousin was, his family was a little more well off than, than us. Right. He lived in Toad Hill, which is a little more of a ritzy area. Got it. And, and so he could get turntables. So we used to spend all our days up at his house in the basement. And um, we started a crew, and I was an MC in the crew, and so was he. My brother ended up being a DJ, even though my cousin got the turntables. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then Eric Rice, who was uh, Rice Ski, he was a DJ as well. And we had two, you know, we were just figuring it out. So that was like my first crew, and then uh, met my boy. Um, so we, we ended up, you know, I don't know what incarnation we ended up becoming another crew with me and my cousin Sean and my brother called the Vicious Three. <laughs> These names. Uh, this is when I was names. 12, 13. and then uh, my cousin Chili Love and them they started a crew called the Soul Shocking Three. So it was a Vicious Three, Soul Shocking Three, <laughs> and we were gonna battle and all that stuff, you know. We, and then uh, we decided to form a group together. So it was, right my, <laughs> it was uh, my cousin Chili Love, Shun, my brother S, me, and JB, and then a brother named Master Jam who was a little older than us. I spoke to Master Jam a couple of days ago. It's another thing. I, 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 I stay in touch with everybody. Keep in touch with all of these people. <laughs> I spoke to Jam not too long ago because his son was. His uh, stepson wants to rap. He wanted me to hear him, but um, and Jam was a little older than us, so he had like a little more savvy about you know. Mm-hmm. So we we became a social club, and we got a DJ named Mr. Wonderful, Trevor Chambers, my boy, DJ Mr. Wonderful, spelled with a number one. <laughs> <laughs> and my name was Swirl, Swirl Ski. Wow, Swirl Ski. So, huh. my, my crew, my crew <laughs> from Staten Island. Anybody who knows me from eighteen under still calls me Swirl. I spoke to my man Mike Love today. He was like, Yo, Swirl, what up? Wow. They don't. They don't even think to call me anything. But I swirl. think that's what I'm gonna call you from now on. It's fine. I I, I answer the swirl. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when I, when uh, I got a good story about that. When I um, 1984 presidential election and uh, Walter Mondale was running for president, mm-hmm. and they would call him Fritz Mondale. That was his nickname, Fritz. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, he's like. 60 year old man They call him Fritz My mother said You gonna be 60 They gonna be calling you Swirl And from that point on I started only calling myself Guy <laughs> Because I was like I can't imagine myself 60 years old And call me Swirl Now that I'm 120 years old I, I feel like Yeah call me Swirl Whatever But at the time I was like That's when I stopped That's why anybody From a certain age Doesn't know me as Swirl mm. And they're shocked When they see my boys Be like yo Swirl <laughs> You know uh, I was somewhere I was in uh, Europe And I ran into Method Man and Method Man was like, yo, swirl across the airport. My crew was with me, was like, <laughs> Method Man's yelling over here. <laughs> he was like, swirl. Only you saw what took many time to see. <laughs> so anyway, so I was, we was in the Soul Shocking MCs. We used to battle. Big time, big thing about the 80s was we battled all the time. We was like, right. any, uh, there were contests, battles, battles, battles. Go to Harlem World, battle. Mm-hmm. So... On Staten Island, we had a bunch of battles, and, and the, 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 the alpha dogs on Staten Island was a crew called uh, the Force MCs. They were like the guys that would go out of Staten Island, 
and uh, eventually became the Force MDs singing group. But they were the Alpha Dog MCs on Staten Island. Dr. Rock of the Force MCs. So, uh, we used to battle them. And they were better than us. They were older than us. They were just better than us. You know, we had one battle where we were just about neck and neck with them, and they did some shady business. They'll, they'll deny this to this day. And uh, <laughs> we got to a big fight with them. But from that moment, me and the Force of D, we became really good friends. And Stevie D from the Force of D is like my brother. Wow. And uh, I became really tight with them. And that was kind of my rearing and my way into the music business because not long after, this is, we're talking, this is 81, 82. Mm-hmm. Not long after that, they got a record deal with Tommy Boy Records around 84. And they started going on tour. And they started, you know, they had huge records. Let Me Love You, Give Me Girl, Tears. And then they were on tour with New Edition and... And so I, my first time on a tour bus, my first time, you know, and wait, going just, to, yes, yeah. just for me, how old were you when this was happening? I was 16, 15, okay. 16 I, years old. Yeah. I'm in so. high school, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I would go like on summer, my summer break, I'd go on tour, you know, I'd be on a, you know, I'd get jumped, you know, cause they would, you know, Staten Island is like down South New York. So tour bus come up, pull up, we jumping on, you jump on a tour, bye, I'll be back, <laughs> you know? And you know, we going to Connecticut tonight, you know? And, um. It was my first, uh, you know, real, real look into the music business. I remember being on the ferry, uh, Staten Island Ferry, and TC was on it. TC was the lead singer of the Force of Bees, and he was on his way to work. They worked on the docks, him and Trisco from the Force of Bees. And he had his Tommy Boy contract, and I remember trying to read his contract. I'm 16 years old, and I'm trying to read his contract. I'm like, oh, so here, there's many records, and I didn't know what I was doing, but... I was relatively smart, and, you know. They were like, "Yo, who do you think it's say? You think we should sign it?" Yeah, you should sign it. What was your impression of the industry at that age? I mean, you were like 16 years old. You had a, a, a little bit of a window into that world. Yeah. What did you think about it? Well, because hip hop is so like aggressive and arrogant and do what you saw. I just felt like we could do this. You know, I, I didn't feel I didn't feel I wasn't intimidated by it at all. Um, you know, I went to. Bertram was a high school. We used to have talent shows, and you know Ali Shaheed Muhammad and Q-Tip were in my school. They were a couple years. Shout out to Ali, yeah. I know him. And uh, <laughs> they were a couple years younger than me, and you know they were doing talent shows and battling. And it was such a it was such a movement and culture around hip hop that we just felt like it, it wasn't getting a record deal and stuff wasn't even the, the the thing we wanted to do. We wanted to be the best dude at the talent show at Bertram or <laughs> right. you know what I mean so it was a I wasn't intimidated by it it, just, it felt like a path it felt like a career path but I tell you what it only felt like a career path as an artist and I didn't learn later till later on you know what the other paths were but uh you know my brother was really tight with Red Alert so I was always at the clubs and able to get just 15 years old I'd be in fun house and in the DJ pool, first time Run DMC performed, Dougie and Slick performing. It was all happening real time, New York City. I was there. I was at the Funhouse when Madonna performed like a virgin the first time. You know what I mean? And uh because I was with the Force and D's and she loved them. And you know, it was a it was an incredible scene. I haven't seen a scene like that ever again in terms of hip hop, underground, white, black, straight, gay. People always forget about the the amount of um, access or, or acceptability of the gay community in early hip hop. Really, huge, huge. Because anything downtown was, you know, this is the same time they were doing balls and all the all the real Vogue before Madonna stole it. Like all the real stuff was happening, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. 
that was all at, in the same clubs that you know, you know, Pyramid or Danceteria. You know, one floor would be, you know, straight dance house music. You know, all the hip hop dudes also went to the garage. You know, so it was all the stuff going on at yeah. the same time. It was amazing, amazing, amazing time in New York. And uh, I was rolling because I was rolling with Four Some Ds. You know, I had access. I had real access, and I was also rolling with. Um, Audio 2 and the first priority crew. When I was in uh, my junior year of high school, Milk and uh, Giz from Audio 2 moved to Staten Island. They Brooklyn dudes, you know, bed style all the way. They moved to Staten Island, but they were going to Brooklyn Tech. So Milk would have to catch the boat every day. So did I. And so I didn't know who they were. I mean, you know, just guys, he was a guy that caught the boat, but they used to tease Milk all the time. And I, so I kind of like older than him. I was like, yo, come sit with me, man. And we start talking about music, and he, cause they would diss him because they'd be like, he think he's an MC, he ain't an MC, and um, he's like, yo, I'm putting out a record. So that, be, you know, these are all still it's funny because they're still my best friends to this day. <laughs> like these are still yeah, my guys. Yeah, I just guys. met Milk the other day. Yeah, he's this, really cool. He's my dude. I know him since he was 14, and um, before you know, he put out Top Billing and all that stuff. And, and uh, so I was rolling with them. So we going to Latin Quarter and all these other places. That's more like '86. That's after I got out of high school. So then, how did how did AfterShock actually come about? Well, so okay, so my crew, Soul Shock and MCs, three of them, two of them, my brother and Shun, were also break dancers, and they were in a crew called the Fresh Style Rockers. And in the Fresh Style Rockers was a cat from Queens who just moved to Staten Island named Frost. And that became my partner. And so me and Frost used to hang out because he wanted to rap to my cousin, who he's, by the way, still married to to this day. And, uh, <laughs> took a, yeah, but took a still married. That's my cousin. So he wanted to rap to my cousin, so he was always around us. And he told me in Queens, I used to rap too. And I, at this point, I think I was a little disillusioned with my group. And so me and Frost started, we created a group called the Tough Two. And uh, <laughs> so we did a couple of routines, but I realized when I was doing these routines with him, he could sing. So I was like, yo, we should do like a, uh, you know, like a sing rap group, like, 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 you know, like uh, the way the Force of D's, like Stevie D used to rap in the group, you know what I mean? So, uh, mm-hmm. so, so we should do that. And so then we did that and then we decided to change the name. We hated the name Tough too. So we, uh, we wrote a song called Aftershock and uh, we said, oh, that'd be a dope name for the group. And Aftershock is like the group that kind of. That's the real, that's, that, I mean, that, that became the real the, group. Now there was, was a group, group in between called The Look. But that you know, Frost Frost wasn't in the look originally. That was a straight singing group, and I can't sing. But it was a straight singing crew. And, uh, but I tried. I, I gave it. I gave it to college try. And uh, and I had uh, my man Ray Vincia was the lead singer of the group. It was Ray and uh, my man Rich. And then you know Ray was always like a dude that you know he just he just he just eventually Ray would. Ruins shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's my, he's my man. I love him to sorry, death. Ray, sorry, nah, that's all good. Ray, 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 Ray know who he is. So, so, um, because you know what it is? Ray is a huge personality. He's Capricorn like myself, huge personality. And eventually, he's, 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 you know, he's gonna rub you the wrong way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, so he ended up leaving the group, and then we put Frost in the group in his spot. And then my man Richard's in the group. He quit. And that's when we became Aftershock. And Aftershock kind of su- superseded the success of the other groups. The, oh, the many, by many, far. Many other by far. No, because what happened with Aftershock, a, a pretty great story is, uh, one, one day rolling with the Force of D's on Christmas 
87, I want to say it was. Memory is outstanding. Christmas 87, Force Some D's played Philly. And on the bill was Levert and Glenn Jones. And there were two young ladies singing background for Glenn Jones. One's name was Bitty Strong, and the other <laughs> one was Sandra St. Victor. And uh, <laughs> so they, at the time, Bitty and Sandra lived on Staten Island. And so TC from Force said, yo, you got to meet these girls. They live on Staten Island. I'm like, hey, you know, because, you know, Staten Island's like, down south it's like hey you live us that out we live on wall street oh okay cool we'll see you sometime so maybe like six months later i was on the ferry and i ran into them and i'm like hey i know you and Todd just looking at me like you don't know me and i'm like no nah, i met you i don't remember <laughs> and i was like glenn jones and they're like oh so and we how became, old were you again at that time i must have been 18 18 17 okay. 17 18 and uh the next time i ran into sandra my sister my sister was a pretty prominent at the time she did Corey from living colors hair and she did a bunch of celebrities hair so um she was doing sandra's hair for her first album cover which was yvonne jeffries in the stand prior to family stand that was the name of the group yvonne jeffries in the stand so she was getting her hair done by my sister for the album cover so she's at my sister's house i'm running over to my sister's house me and frost just finished the demo and i loved my this demo and i wanted to play for my sister so i run over to the house and I'm like, well, no, you got to hear this demo. I'm like, oh, there goes Sanja St. Victor. I know you. For you to sing back. Yeah. I said, oh, well, I want to play it. I played it a song after Shaka. She liked it. Mm-hmm. She said, this is dope. I should play this for my producers, the guys I, I'm in a group with. I said, okay, cool. I gave it a tape. And she played it for them. And they said they liked it. And we met. And the rest, as they say, is history. Yep. <laughs> no, no, no. But the funny, the funny yeah. part of the story is you have to tell how, how Jeff... Yo, reacted. The best, the best thing ever. So we have this meeting. I think we're at Sandra's <laughs> house in Park Slope, as a matter of fact. And uh, it's Je- Pete, Jeff, uh, Peter Lord, who was uh, who's in the family stand, and Jeff Smith and Abby Rosenfeld, who was their manager, and Sandra. We were all at the house. And me and Frost come over. We're like, <sighs> and so Peter's going through this thing. He's like, yeah, you know, we thinking about you know really signing acts, and you know you guys got the young energy, and he's giving us a whole spiel. <laughs> And Abby gives us the breakdown. Yeah, this is what we're thinking. Blah blah blah. Gives us, you know. So it's like you know, maybe a half hour. I mean, Jeff doesn't say anything. He's sitting there eating an orange. And um, <laughs> so Jeff was like, "So they're like, you know, hey, Jeff, you got anything to say?" And Jeff's like, "Yeah, let's do it." And that was it. That's the first time. First time I heard his voice, and the last time I heard his voice the whole day. Like, yeah, let's do it. And yeah, it was like, like Jeff. but it, it instantly he became my guy at that moment because it was like, yo, man. He just, it was none of that, no tap dancing, no no magic tricks. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it because he also knew he was going to be doing the heavy lifting. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, and then we, we went off to the, uh, you know, I was in college at the time. And uh, I was in college and I was working at a copy place, I remember. And uh, when we first started. And. And I ended up working at a place called Municipal Credit Union. So I'm 19 now, <laughs> yeah. right? So I'm working at Municipal Credit Union. And I remember telling my mother, because at this time it was, let's say it was June and they were like, okay, we're in the middle of stuff. We can start your project in mm. September, so something like that, you know? So I remember feeling like, and I don't know if those were the months, but it was like three months before we were going to start kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so I remember telling my mother, you know, this is it. And 
I'm quitting school. Now, I wasn't really quitting school <laughs> as much as they asked me to not come back because I was messing up so bad. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I was like, you know, what they asked me was to take a semester off and think about what I really wanted to do. I was going to Hunter mm. College. And I quit my job. I quit my job because I just hated it. The funny story about the job was uh, I worked at Municipal Credit Union and I, I got up one day and I just said I quit. I mean, today's my last day. And uh, my immediate supervisor, I was a customer service representative. Municipal Credit Union is a bank. I was a customer service rep. And my initial supervisor was like, um, I need you to go speak to Mr. Porter. Mr. Porter was the president, black man. So I went up to his office and he was like, uh, young man, I'm going to teach you something now. You, you, know, <laughs> you have to give me two weeks notice. And I said, why? He said, because you're going to need a recommendation for me for your next job. I said, Mr. Porter, I'm never working for anyone else ever again. And he's like, uh, be that as it may, uh, you need to give me two weeks. I said, well, Mr. Porter, if you fired me today, would I? Would you give me two weeks? And he says, no, but that's not how it works. He said, I might give you two weeks severance. I might give you money. You know, you pay. I said, nah, I'm good. So he laughs and he's like, okay, give. I'm going to give you 30 days to reconsider. And in 30 days, if you come back and give me my two weeks, I will... Oh, you can even come back and get your job because you're a really good rep. I said, I really appreciate that. I know what you're trying to do because I understand you're trying to look out for me, but I'm telling you my path is different. I'm never going to work for anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, so I ran into him like 10 years after that. I was at the garden with Jeff and uh, we had a game and he had tickets. They had season tickets and we had better seats. So (laughs) I remember I ran into him. I said, Mr. Ford, I don't know if you remember. He said, Guy Rute. I didn't remember you clearly. So tell me, did you ever start working for anybody else again? I said, nope. Always, I said, I never had to work for anybody else again, and I got better seats. Really? Have a good day. Yeah. <laughs> How gracious. How gracious. <laughs> he just laughed. No, he loved it. He loved it. He laughed. It was, it was beautiful, because he actually was trying to look out for me, but I knew my path was different. And so, um, you know, I went, and I remember me and Frost got jobs at Statue of Liberty and on a circle line. Rest in peace to my man to the beat. Because we were just trying to make enough money just to be able to get back and forth to the studio. Right. With studio me- meaning Jeff's living room yep. Yep. <laughs> at Ebbets Field. <laughs> so, but it was like, yo, that to us, that it could have, it might as well have been Electric Lady. It was like, this is the studio with a real, and I had heard the stuff they did and it was so professional, so right. incredible, so high level. Just the fact that we'd be working with these guys, man. And, um, the people that were, I remember they had did some stuff with Leotis at the time and all the stuff I was hearing like uh, that I just was like I'm so amazed by these guys production it's, it's really dope so that's it you know so and that was Aftershock and we, we did a we did a demo we did a, I think we did about five six songs you know Abby did his one two thing we got a deal with Virgin <laughs> Records you know started shopping it but we got a deal pretty quickly like I, I, I was probably uh, spoiled by the ease of which these this things happen. Once I met mm. these guys and got this demo, and then you know, we we hooked up with Gemma Corfield over at yeah, Virgin we Records. Paula we, yeah, because right. of that scenario, I, I remember sitting up late nights with Paula, talking her into, like, yeah, you need to use my boys because I know what you're trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was even That's managing Paula before I knew I was managing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but we got a you know we got a deal, and it was a pretty it was a good deal. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't remember what it was financially, but it was good in terms of like we were with the right person, Gemma, and we we had a lot of access. You know what I mean? Like we we were able to. I I remember they used to fly us first class, like 
No artist would ever fly first class. He's a fly as first class. Virgin Airlines. Uh, Virgin Airlines. They used to give me, they gave me the code to Music Express. So I, anytime I wanted a car, I could get one. Like it was like, wow. it was like first round draft pick recruiting. <laughs> and I got the very, very valuable lesson of, um, you know, when you don't get the hit, how quickly that gets taken away from wow, you. So really? I got a real valuable lesson on that early. So, um, Cause you know we didn't get the smash that they thought we were gonna get, and all of a sudden we in coach, and I can't get Music Express anymore. You know I gotta take right. a taxi and give them a receipt. <laughs> but uh, so at the same time that this was going on, I told you my sister used to do Corey Glover's hair, so I was hanging out with Living Color at the same time, which is a rock band, and I was going to their shows at Tramps, and um, you know all all these New York clubs, CBGBs and stuff. So I was. Heavy on the rock scene as well. I'm, you know, 27 Spies and Fishbone and particularly on the Black Rock Coalition scene, you know. So I'm real heavy on that scene. At the same time, I'm hanging with the Force Ds. At the same time, I'm hanging with Audio 2. So it was a, a really great musical, you know, diverse. Uh, and not all of it felt like hip-hop to me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. All of it felt like hip-hop. I didn't, I didn't even view any of this as any different, you know. So what Corey and them did, felt just, it just felt like the same edge. And you know, I I viewed it in this in the same lens. As, this is as this is everything that you're talking about. This is you in the front on the stage with the mic in your hand as an artist. But then you moved away from that. Yeah. So how did that happen? And and I mean, it sounds like you know it was really exciting. And you, as you said, you reached a certain level of success. How do you how do you decide? Okay, not this for me anymore. I want to do something else. Well, a couple of things, you know, a couple of his kismet. One was that Jeff is a big part of it because Jeff was a studio rat, and I liked being in the studio. Mm-hmm. And so when everybody else, you know, you know, you record your part, and everybody leave, and Jeff would stay there for the next fifteen hours, making sure it was right. And mm-hmm. I'd be the guy to sit next to Jeff and yeah. just learn what, just to be there. Just I liked so much being in studio. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew I was different than most artists in that way because I, I I liked the process of making records. And uh, and then you know getting a major deal, I started seeing other people doing stuff. I saw A and R people, you know, Gemma was A and R, and I saw you know marketing and promotion people, and I saw people at different levels. Nat Robinson was my manager, Milk's father, and I saw you know manage, and I, I saw that there was other ways to be part of this game without having to be on a stage. I was never comfortable on stage, ever. So um, we did a show. We had a really big hit in Arizona, well, in, in, in on the West Coast. Mostly called going through the motions, partly because we did did it in Spanish as well, and so we were really in all these Spanish speaking areas. We had this hit, and uh, Arizona, uh, Phoenix. We had a, a song on this their main pop station. We had the song, the number one song for seven weeks in a row. On the seventh week, there was a, a celebration for Cinco de Mayo, which I didn't know what Cinco de Mayo was at the time. It's Mex- <laughs> Mexican Liberation Day, um, and it was a concert with us and. Boys to Men and Jodeci, Tony Terry, Awful One, just it was, it was like thirty acts, and five hundred thousand people were coming to this event, mm-hmm. and we're playing. And I remember Jodeci had to open for us. That's how hot our record was. Like, Jodeci had to. Open. I remember Demonte being mad about that. And um, <laughs> so you know we, we we get on stage and we rock. We only did four songs, right? But we did going through the motions, and five hundred thousand people had their lighters out. It was a slow song, and they were waving back and forth. And I knew at that moment 
that I wasn't feeling what I was supposed to feel. Mm. I was like, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be on a high right now. I'm supposed to be walking, and I just don't care. And I knew at that point, I probably that was the the beginning in my mind of thinking about what I'm gonna do next. Mm. Uh, I did another album, but I didn't, I didn't even support it. Um, same time, Wu Tang was starting to bubble on Staten Island, and uh, this kid named Shaheem. My boy Wiggs had a producer named RNS who introduced me to this young rapper named Shaheen. He was young, he was 11 at the time. And it was he was really dope, and it was coming right off of Criss Cross selling 4 million records. So everybody was looking for a young rapper. And I had access to all these people at these labels and stuff. So, you know, they asked me to come in and help, you know, put this whole crew together. And I remember Ghostface used to be now with the crew. It was a, a GP was the name of the crew. Uh, and, um, Ghostface was called Sun God at the time, and he did, he they did a song called Normal Mr. Nice Guy. Was, but Shaheem was the one I could see he was a star, and uh, so I started shopping. You know, we did a demo on him, and I started shopping the deal around, and I had a bidding war going on. You know, Warner Brothers, Benny Medina was running Warner Brothers at the time, Benny was calling my phone. Peter Edge was Benny's assistant. Peter Edge now runs RCA Records. He was he was an A&R assistant at the time, and uh, you know, it's a big deal. Benny Medina was calling my. I had a cell phone and you know when nobody had cell phones because I was a big time manager right and <laughs> Benny Medina was calling my cell like come on man let me put him in movies let me make this kid a star Gemma Corfield who was my A&R she was in it uh, Sylvia Rome who was uh, Family Stands and uh, president of, it, of that company and Ruben Rodriguez who had a company called Pendulum who ended up signing Diggable Planets so these are all the people that were involved in this bidding war and Ended up getting like what was probably the biggest deal for a, a rapper at the time, you know, mm-hmm. huge deal. And um, you know, I got the bug. I was like, oh, I like deal making. I like this. I like I like this part of it. And I like making records, and I like being in that. And so I had Shaheem, and I, I was doing my second album, Slave to the Vibe. And you know, my relationship with Frost started being a little strained because he never just never really took to it either he never really wanted to do this it was me forcing i was in, in, in effect i was managing him back then you know what mm-hmm. i mean and uh so we did the album and we actually got a big hit with slave to the vibe in europe and i remember you know something happened i, I was unhappy and they wanted us to come do a show called top of the pops in europe and i decided i wasn't going i, I quit the group right now mm-hmm. and uh i said now nah, i'm gonna go manage yeah, and you've been a manager ever since. Yeah, in in, in some ways or another. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So right now, I mean, in this moment, you are a manager. You're a co CEO of War Media. Yep. Um, who are your artists? Who are you managing? Um, Farrell Monch is probably the most prominent. He's uh also my partner in the, in the uh, company, and uh, so he's the most prominent. But it's it's you know, consult with Jean Grey. Whenever she needs advice, you know, and and or guidance, me or somebody from my company will help her. Um, and uh, there's a bunch of artists that you don't know, so yeah, a bunch of people that I'm developing. But you will, yeah, you will know. Uh, you know what I what I'll say is this: is that I'm also we have a label as well. Uh, it's called War Media. The company's called War Media, and on a label, I'm looking more to do stuff label wise than I am management wise. So. Um, uh, we also work with. I just did a a, a merger with uh, Gary Bond, known as Fat Gary. His management company. It's 
So he brought over. We have Pete Rock now. We have um, Static Selector and uh, DJ Premier and people like that. So. That's so. Yeah. So I think I think what I find most fascinating about you because I think this started to rear its head last year. You just started writing all of a sudden, and you yeah. started announcing that you were going to be working on a book. And I I mean I I think. I think there was a part of me that thought it was um, separate, yeah. but the more that I get to know you and know like about you, I realize it's less of a depart- departure, more of an evolution. Like this is just a natural progression in terms of what you've done, you know. Yeah. Especially if you were rapping, writing can't be too far from yeah, that. Yeah, I was a songwriter as well. Yeah. And, you know, I, I uh, what 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 happened was becoming a manager and then also you know i did a and r at sony for a while and um you you, you what your, your your job is at that point is to um motivate and inspire and organize other people's lives other creatives lives and protect creatives that's what always i always felt like my job was to protect creatives and allow them the space to be um as great as they as they can be because you know this business can beat you down so i always wanted to be like the blocker so that they could you know you have the space to go run and what happened over the years is that i stopped being creative myself mm-hmm. and because i was always around i mean around geniuses all the time you know and i never felt like a genius in that way and I felt like I was, but I felt like what I was really good at was protecting that genius and making sure that it was it was nurtured properly. And probably about three or four years ago, I started feeling like I gotta do something creative. I feel, I, feel, I felt really stifled, and you know, almost myself, I forgot that I was an artist. I came in this game as an artist, and I came in this game as a writer. And and, and uh, you know, uh, I remember I got a an ASCAP check or something for a song I wrote. You know, uh, you know, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right. I, I forgot I'm a ASCAP. I forgot I'm a writer." You know, and what it was, I, I totally forgot about it so much that ASCAP had been holding my checks for six years because I moved and they never had the right address on me, and I never even noticed it. And so one day I said, "Let me just type my name in," and it was like, "Yeah, we got all this money for you." And I'm like, "Damn, I forgot I, I was a, I was a writer." I wish and I would find something <laughs> somewhere where somebody says I've, those I've, words. I've been, to I've, me. been I've been fortunate Please. like that. Uh, stuff <laughs> pops up when, it, when it's supposed to. And so, um, <laughs> and so you know, and also working with Pharaoh over uh, on these past two albums on War and PTSD, I, I was very very hands on on those records. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't write them at all, but I definitely influenced the ideas and the direction and sound and. You know, I was really, really, really hands-on on those albums. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I was that way with other projects before, but that there were years ago. So I got the bug again, but I realized I didn't want to. I wasn't. I wasn't getting a bug to be an artist at all. Mm-hmm. And um, a few years back, I, I started writing a blog, like seven years ago, and then I stopped. And so I just decided to st- let me start writing again a bit. And then. Um, you know, I, I named my company War Media, uh, and not War Records or War Music, was because I always wanted to do more than music. You know, mm-hmm. and I wanted to uh, be a multimedia company. And you know, my my goal was to be a producer of films and you know create you know 
you know, web series and stuff like that. But I never viewed myself as the conduit for the creation. I always view myself as acquiring and just being in position. And this is the stuff that the artists that I work with and want to do. You know, Gene has a, a web series called Life with Jeannie, and she's a brilliant writer. And so I always viewed it like, oh, this company will be the the home for creatives mm-hmm. to be able to get stuff off. And then I realized it could be the home for me to get my creative vision <laughs> off as well. And that really, to set it off properly, I'm probably going to have to do the first couple of things just to show people that we can do it, you know? And that you, you should be able to trust your properties with us. So what what scares you? Like what? Because you, you've done a lot and you've done a lot of things. First of all, you've done more in your first 15 years of life than I've done in my my 19 (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, but I just I'm 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 really in awe of all that you've done and it seems like you've kind of you've done it seamlessly and not really yes fearfully and I'm just well first of all anybody tells you they're not afraid is lying you know the difference is I don't believe in fearlessness I believe in courage which means you walk through the fear. Mm-hmm. You do it in spite of the fear, but everybody's afraid. You know, I learned that. I was talking to somebody who was really, really prominent. Um, and I can't remember who it was, but they were going, going on stage. And I'm like, you probably don't get nervous anymore. They're like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, are you crazy? Of course I get nervous every time. And um, so I believe courage is, you know, to do doing things in spite of your fear. And it never gets... It gets easier, but it never goes away. Um, what scares me now at this particular moment is um, stepping out front and having my face attached to things or my name attached, not my company name, but my name attached to things. And, um, I'm always shocked when somebody says, oh, I know you. I, was, I met somebody the other day and they were like, yeah, guy, I know you go on media. I know who you are. And I was like, oh, God, what, <laughs> what did I say? Um <laughs> But, you know, and, and, and just being judged, like, okay, so I'm writing again, right? But, like, I, you know, I, the joke I always have is that I say Pharaoh Mont retired me from rapping, right? Because I heard the Stress Extinction Level Agenda album, and I was like, I, I'll never be able to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I heard what he, what he was doing. It was so far beyond, you know, but that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to have that level of excellence. Well, I have writer friends like Chris X or Selwyn Hans who are just as good as Barrow was at that. They're mm-hmm. good that good at writing. Right. Carlito and like I'm the, I don't know if I'll ever be able to be that. But the difference between that and now is I'm like, so what? I'm gonna do what I do. You know what I mean? You, you be your own best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but I at the time before I wanted to be the best. And so if I couldn't be you know, I the thing about Pharaoh was I was like, I don't care how much I practice. I don't care what I you know that's that's divine. That's that's not you know. That's he has a gift. That's why you know nobody can ever tell me that. Yeah, you know, rapping is just no. You can't do what Farrah Mosh does. And that's you know that's he, that's God talking directly to him. So I you know I just but now with writing I'm like it doesn't matter my story because I'm you know I'm pulling this from my from a place that they can't pull from. So they can't tell my story. They can't tell my story better than me. They can't tell the stories that I want to tell in the way I want to tell them. And the angles I'm coming from. So, yeah, they're better writers, but, you know, they don't have everything that I have. So I am feel more confident about. Uh, and, you know, I show them my writing. And they actually approve. And they're like, yo, man, you know, yeah, you're good. You should continue. I remember I got a text from someone that says, yo, you should write all the time. You should write. <laughs> I have on my board write something every day. Yeah. Um, because you're good. 
and you know you you have a voice you have a distinct voice and peter lord who is uh from family stand was my music mentor along with jeff is now writing as well script he was always a brilliant writer and you know he called me one day i sent him a blog that i did and he was like yo man you got it and we should work on a project together which was the highest compliment to me yeah that peter would be like let's work on a, a screenplay together wow and i was like what really <laughs> you know? and um you know, Chris X is like, yo, send me your stuff every time you do it. You know, I want to I want to see what you're doing. Like, and Chris X is funny because he trolls me on, on Facebook and Twitter and stuff. And he'll talk trash about me and everything. And then behind the scenes, he gives me the most encouragement <laughs> of anybody. But, and you I, know, think, I think that's really important, though. I think it's, especially when you're venturing out into new waters. Yeah. To have that kind of support and encouragement, even though, you know, you don't want it to rest on other people approving of what you're doing. But to have that kind of support and encouragement. Look, listen, I wouldn't have done music if Jeff didn't tell me, no, you can do it, guy. You know, here's a guy that I was like, this is the best musician I've ever met, you know, top to bottom. And he's like, no, you, you, you're talented. You have a good tone. You have a good whatever. You know. Would you, would you say, go so far as to say he's a genius? Oh, I say it all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> I tell him. He, I, he never, he never takes Well, you know, geniuses, ge- true geniuses never... Accept that. That's what I told him. So, I said those same words. Thank you. It's it's stated. It's on know, the record. Now. It, you no, know, I I I'm sure if you go to any of my interviews, from you know when I talk about Jeff, I always mention him as, as a genius. And and um, the, the, I, what what I say, uh, Jeff, you'll admit this. What I say is, if I don't say the word genius, I say Jeff is the most talented person I know. All around, I say that all the time. He's the most talented, top to bottom person I know. And there's there's nothing that we asked of Jeff. When we was making records that he couldn't provide, and I, that's what like, to the point where we would test him. We'd be like, "Let's see, yeah, Jeff, I want some flute on this." <laughs> and Jeff would reach in his bag and pull out a flute. We'd be like, "Ah, can't get him." <laughs> that bagpipe, get that bagpipe. You know that? And, 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 it, it was, it was, <laughs> it was amazing. But not just what I loved about working with Jeff and what I learned from him was that not only would he be able to play what you wanted to play. If there was a better choice, he would go get the better choice. He'd be like, "Nah, let me go get, let me get my man to play. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put down the idea, but let me get my man to come play this better, because he, you know, he, you know, he just understood what he was trying to get to, and he understood the nuance that none of us pay attention to, but that actually make the record. That's, you know, it, it, it's, it, I do it to this day, and when I mix or when I, when I listen back, I'm, I'm listening to stuff that nobody else is paying attention to, but I know makes the difference. Yeah, and uh, you know the tone of the hi hat or whatever, you know. Like, and I see Jeff work for, you know, hours on a snare. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, and you know, I know, Genius, I know Genius. why. It's 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 a it's a level of patience that I'm learning still. That um, yeah, you know that great art is made through. You know because a lot of people have the the first step. You know they can come and they can do can rap. You know you can sing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But what you know, what makes what gets you to the level of greatness? It's it's a uh, it's why we love sports. You know, when we at the highest level, because you're like, yeah, dude could play ball, but does he know the nuance of the game? And um, Jeff taught me the importance of nuance and knowing. And I wanted to know why he was in the studio for 18 hours after everybody left. And so he's, he's in there tweaking, he's in there tweaking, and you know, he's in there with the engineer. When we got to the next level, when other cats were mixing, Jeff is still in there. We all going, you know, to the party or to the game or something. Jeff is still in there with the engineer and making sure that the stuff was done. And I was like, you know, 
Yeah. <laughs> that started taking breaks. Yeah, started taking. <laughs> yeah, about a goal late, exactly. <laughs> but, but that's you know, it's funny because when I introduced you, guy, I, I, I was when I was at home and I was thinking, how am I going to introduce guy? What word can I, can I use that will really explain why I feel like he's an important guest for me to have on the show? And and I wrote ever evolving. And I love, like, whenever you're talking, I mean, you you run the gamut of, like, all the different things that you've done, again, more in your lifetime than I probably will do in 10 lifetimes. And I just love the fact that you're so open to, um, I guess, whatever comes your way. Like, you're not closed-minded. I've never gotten the sense that you're like, yeah, no. It seems like you're open to the ideas. And that's probably why you are um, co-CEO of War Media. I mean, it makes sense if you want to. Um. Yeah, the War Media thing came. I had a company called Renegade Media. And uh, it was the company of Pong. And me and Selwyn were actually partners in, the, in that company. And when I left Sony, I was a consultant at Sony. When I left there, I, I tried to sign Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was leaving Universal. And it was just like... Yo, would you come manage me? And I'm like, I'm not interested in just managing. And you just left the major label system and you're not going to ever get a major deal again. You know, in that same way. Because the business was shifting and I saw it. Nobody else was saying what I was saying. I'm like, this is over. <laughs> like, they don't exist anymore. Trust me. Mm. And so I said, what I am interested in, let's create a company and let's use that company to distribute your, your art and to, to, to create the same thing. And I felt like what Farrell's integrity and, and you know, uh, creativity stood for was everything that I wanted War Media to be. You know what I mean? So that's, we created that company based on that. And um, now the next level of it is for me to now create within that same space, bring other creatives into that same space where they can, you know, build on that same sensibility and really fill a gap and a void that I think is happening in the world which is, you know, I, I think that there's a bunch of people that are like me that want to see art done a certain way. They want to hear news a certain way. They want to, you know, look at visuals. And and they're not, you know, they're, they're, they're children of hip-hop, but they're not, you know, solely that. And they're, and they're you know, they have a connection to being black. They don't have to be black, but they have a connection. There's a love of, of what we are. I think it's important that uh, somebody creates for those people in the same way that you know Tyler Perry creates for down south church folks mm. so how do you feel about the industry specifically where music is now I'm, I'm, I'm just getting back to listening again because I'm so into what I'm working on all the time that sometimes I, I miss whole yeah. you know and I gotta go back and do the research but I'm you know because when I'm engulfed in a project I'm really engulfed in it and uh but yeah, there's a lot of good stuff out there. I'm, I'm, I'm digging, I'm digging where music is right now. I'm digging where the culture is. You know, I, you know, I'm, I've never been a person that felt like, oh, you know, the old days were better. You know, the glorification of days <laughs> gone by. I just think that there's a sensibility that is is uh, omnipresent in every era of when stuff is great. So, you know, people ask me, what do you like? I said, you know, what kind of music do you like? I said, well, I think there's three kinds. There's bad, there's good, and there's great. I like great. Simple as that. You know, and, you know, great could be, you know, 
John Coltrane. It could be James Brown. It could be, you know, Run DMC. It could be Kendrick Lamar. It could be Outkast. It could be, you know, whoever. D'Angelo, Maxwell, whatever. Like, it, it, it comes in so many forms. It, it, and, uh, and I'm not ever uh, close to... You know where where the greatness could come from. You know, because when I was like I said, I, you know, think about this. As a kid, my sister was a rockhead. My my brother was R&B. My uncle was jazz. My mother was uh, Sly and the Family Stone, and and my aunt was Al Green. And I was the youngest. I had no control over the stereo. I had to listen to whatever was there. Then I come up and I'm rolling with the Foursome D's, Living Color, and the Audio Two. These are my best friends it's to this day. Still my best friends. Mm. You know what I mean? And but totally different. You know. Parts of the music world, and that's that was my rearing. So of course I'm gonna be, you know, I'm gonna be uh, diverse, and you know, I feel like you know when uh, when I talk about it, it feels like I've done a lot, but I feel like it's only halftime. I feel like I'm just starting the third quarter. Like I'm okay now. Now you got all this information, God. What you gonna do with it? And that's what the next level of, of what I want my career. And I've never talked about my career in terms of my career before, but this is the first time I'm ever mm. talking about it in terms of my career. What I want my legacy to be, what I want to do, is to take all this information I gathered, all this access that I have, all the love that I have in my heart, and disseminate that to the world for, for you know for for the little slice of the world that wants to hear that that point of view. That's dope. Well, on that note, we're going to have to shift gears a little bit here because I have seven specific questions that I want to ask you. Go. Uh, I'm not ready to marry you yet, but, <laughs> oh, but that was number one. Six. <laughs> so this, this this particular segment is going to be called Tell Me Yours, I'll Tell You Mine. So I'll answer ah, the same question that I ask you. Indeed. Okay. What did 2014 teach you about yourself? 2014 taught me that how impatient and how afraid I really am mm-hmm. and uh, but it also taught me that I'm that I can learn patience and that I can overcome the fear mm, I like that okay well you? F- for me <laughs> 2014 taught me that I ain't no punk I think that was probably the biggest one um, and who told you that first <laughs> okay maybe you might have said a little something but uh yeah because i did some really big things um that year and even you know the right at the end of 2013 and going into 2014 i left and i traveled by myself and and that was like my walk away that my, my takeaway from that year was like you are not you i'm not even allowed to be a punk anymore yeah, you're not delicate <laughs> Well, I'm or dainty. fragile. I'm dainty. You could be though. dainty, but you're not fragile. <laughs> Definitely not fragile. Okay. It was a it was a big year. Okay, so next one. Yes. Um, what new new thing will you attempt in 2015? Screenwriting. Oh. Yeah. Nice. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I want to complete a script, I, and I'm also going to attempt directing. Mm. There's a documentary I want to direct. I didn't want to direct it. Sean Peters was like, you have to direct it because you're too passionate about it. And so you should do it. Shout out to Sean Peters. Shout out to Sean Love Peters. Love you, Sean. Um, well, for me, I guess this counts. Absolutely. <laughs> the radio show. But honestly, um, what I was thinking outside of that is a handstand. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but I do not know how to stand on my hands. And I want to. You know how to do that, right? 
You do? Yeah. Oh yeah. This mode. Yeah, you know I'm a gymnast. Really? Yeah, you see back handsprings on stage. I show you. I show you buddies. Yeah. What? Seriously? Cartwheel handsprings. You co-signing on this? Oh yeah. Really? Okay. Well, I don't know how to do a handsprings. So I can teach. I can teach. Yeah, I can teach you how to do a handsprings. Really? Yeah. Oh my God, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Number three. What are you willing to let go of this year? A whole lot. Um, I'm willing to let go of the fear. I'm willing to let go of the traditional role of management and become more of a CEO and become more of a visionary and become more of creative and, and not to be, you know, to, I'm, I'm willing to let go of the minutia of working for other people and put that minutia into working for myself mm. and my creativity. Yeah, I, always did that. I mean, you gotta look at it like that. Yeah, I mean, but you know, I spend a lot of time booking flights and but you working for yourself. Yeah, no, I'm working for my, I'm saying but working for my own art as opposed to working for somebody else. Somebody else's art. Mm. I'm going to make other people responsible for their own art and I'm going to be responsible for mine. I like that. Pretty powerful. Yeah. What um, about you? What am I letting go of this year? Um this is a big one for me. Other people's approval or needing it. Mm. Needing other people to Huge. co-sign on whether or not I do something, whether or not it's a good idea. It's three o'clock in the morning. Get it right. Get it right. <laughs> but yeah, that's like a big thing for me. Um, this this actual venture was derailed because I shared it with someone, and that person was not um, enthusiastic in the way that I hoped, and so that that person's doubts became my doubts. And I actually, you know, that can happen. Yeah, a lot of times uh, when I. <clears throat> When I speak with people and I... First, one of the things I got in a, a reading today, uh, a, a card reading for the top of the year was to not share my my uh, specific yeah. stuff with everybody because everybody is, you know... Because that energy, you get that energy uh, sucked away from you. Yeah. You know? Like, I'm doing a radio show, by the way. I can't show. wait. I, can I be a guest? Yeah. Well, yeah, you can, actually. Wow, I don't know. You guys can see this. He hesitated. Yeah, I hesitated because of the type of show it is. I don't know. It's, it's not that. It's not this kind of thing. It's not. It's not a in depth thing like this. This is more. It's more like it's gonna be equivalent to to first take. For it's me and Mr. Len debating. Like we would be. Like I would be debating. Say. The the the, 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 the Azalea Banks record with you know we, we sit down and decide. I might have an opinion on that. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying it's not like I a, have a straight screw face right now, y'all. No, I'm just saying it, it might not be the thing. Like you know, <laughs> that's listen, true. she got lots of whether people. he invites me to the studio or not for his radio show. I'm busting in the door. I'm kicking but I, in I the only door. Say, I only said that because I want to say that 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 was another thing that I'm gonna try this year. That I think that's awesome. Okay, cool. I think that's awesome. You know, I think that's awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, number four. What's your guilty pleasure? Chocolate. <laughs> that's so funny. That's my answer. That's an answer. High five. You know. High five. You know, we, we, you know. That's, that's it right there. That is literally my answer, chocolate. And porn. Well. Okay, no, <laughs> <laughs> that is number one. But I'm not that Jeff. guilty about the porn. I'm more guilty about the chocolate. The porn doesn't do anything to my waistline. Right. Chocolate does. <laughs> yeah, we made it the other way. Yeah. Oh my god Okay so number five What would you attempt to do If you knew you could not fail That's one of my favorite fly. questions To ask myself Fly Did you say fly? Fly Like with your own arm? Yes Like jump out the window and fly mm. 
<laughs> and point guard for the Knicks. Really? <laughs> if I do, I cannot pay. Yeah, no doubt. But huh. fly, fly is the thing I think. Um, if I knew I could not fail, I'd definitely try to fly. Really? Yeah. That's so funny because I think we're we're almost kindred here because mine was like time travel. Yeah. I would do- totally time travel. You know what I mean? There's some people from my past that if I could just see them one more time, oh yeah. god, seriously. So yeah. Um. Okay. Number six. This one. This one is gonna take some thought. Okay. And I don't even know if I can answer this question because I don't think I'm informed enough, but whatever. That's the rule of the game. What's your top five? MCs? Yes. Oh. That ain't hard. Uh, That's hard for me. I might have to steal your answers. <laughs> you know, um, Farrell Monch, Jay-Z, Lauren Hill, Andre 3000. Most deaf. He's got like several of my, my top five changes every week. <laughs> because you, know, but, you uh, have several, and of I mine. have, and I have, a, I have, a, I have a, a sixth man is Slick Rick. You have several of mine. Okay, all right. Let me hold my fingers out because I'll lose track. Definitely Pharrell Monch. Mm-hmm. I think I think I learned to appreciate rap from just knowing him. Okay. You know, um, Lauren Hill for sure. I'm mad at you for using my answers. Talib Kweli, most stuff. And who would I pick as my? You should just say Black Stars. He gave me two, two more. Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, you're making me sick. Um, and I would go with my man Biggie because you know Brooklyn. What? Brooklyn. What? Yeah. Now Biggie, Biggie's. You know, listen. If you, if you extended to ten, Biggie be on mine for sure. And Biggie's on mine some days. It depends on if I was listening to Biggie that week. <laughs> Biggie and uh and uh you know Method Man, Red Man. Harris One and Coogee Rap, you know, it goes on. Chuck D, you know, and you know, a lot of times, you know, people will talk about their top five as who you think the greatest are, and then you have the top five that influence you the most. Mine, like, yeah. my top five, based, it's based on who I like. Like this is my yeah, no, it's always it's always about who you like. But see, a lot of times, I, I'll say, you know, Chuck D is probably the most important MC to me. Right? See, but the difference but, is, but that's still not my the top. difference is, guy, you are. This is this is your you're you're rooted in this. So yeah. you're giving an informed answer. I'm just like, oh, these are people the, I like. The, the informed yeah. answer, the informed answer is no more important than the uninformed answer because it's still a, it's still about opinion. So it's like you know, you like what you like. I still stand by my original statement. Yeah, what's a simple question? <laughs> Will you come back and do this again? Absolutely. Never ever ever again. Yeah. Later on down well, the line. What what I would love to do is come back and do it when I have something very specific to talk about um that'd be great like you know i want to talk about as you you can see my my board i have like a bunch of stuff i'm writing and working on and and when something actually comes to fruition i have a lot of things that uh i'm launching a a a sub brand called riot and the riot is going to be kind of the 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 news um i don't want to say news but you know kind of the current events kind of portion of what war media does and um, I want to do a bunch of visual stuff around that and a bunch of, uh, you know, creating a newsletter and stuff. And I'm doing, uh, um, we're doing a re-release of PTSD. We're going to add some songs and a couple of visuals. We're going to do a re-release of War and do the same thing. And uh, so we have a lot of stuff that, you know, I, I would like to come talk about for sure. Absolutely. 
Well, I would appreciate it. I'd love to have you. And I'd love to be one of the first people to kind of. I would love to be back and <laughs> use this as an outlet. See what I did there? Oh, I like that. Look at you <laughs> bringing it back right around. Right back around. That was a, that was a full circle moment. I'm for excited me. for you. Congratulations. And Thank you for allowing me to be the first. Because um, it's never as good as the first time. So, <laughs> you know, as a great shot, A says. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of you. This was great. Thank you. This is Thank easy. you. And thank you for sharing your life and your experiences with us, with our listeners. Thank you, Jeff, for your brilliance and your genius <laughs> for today's show. This is Guy Rute, and you're now plugged in to the Outlet Radio Show with Azania Shangay. Okay, so really quickly before we go, I just want to send a really, really quick shout out to uh, the group of people who really, in my opinion, are responsible for the three of us coming together today. Um, a few years ago, we all got together to work on a project called Still Standing. It was a music video by Farrell Monch featuring Jill Scott. So I just want to send a shout out to Sean Peters, Terrence Nance, Farrell Monch, and a very, very, very special shout out to Franz Cayo because he was the one who really made sure that I was a part of it and because of him I now know all of you and so I just wanted to just send that real quick shout out show some love um yeah awesome as we draw to a close with my very first show I can't help but think about my experience last year returning from my time abroad when I returned from nine months of traveling solo most people wanted to know if I was afraid. Afraid. I was terrified. But I did it anyway because I was more afraid of living a life that didn't make my heart race or scare me just a little. In the end, it was everything I wanted and nothing I expected. So this is my next adventure. And yeah, I'm nervous and scared. But I wouldn't trade this moment for anything in the world. So dare greatly, listeners, dare to answer the call, dare to follow your heart and get ready because there is sure to be an experience beyond your wildest dreams on the other side. Thank you for listening. I look forward to sharing another show with you next week. Take care.